welcome to the Careers for Kids podcast, where kids learn careers. This is Maxwell Valencia. And this is Henry Morrison. Today, we have Jim Hines, Congressman of 4th Congressional District of Connecticut. Hello, Congressman Hines. Thank you for letting us interview. Also, first of all, I'd like to mention, I've been to your office when I was six years old, when my family toured Washington, D.C. It was such a nice office. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm delighted to hear that. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast today. Really excited to be uh, chatting with you guys. Thank you, too, for letting us interview you. And our first question is, tell us what you currently do right now. Like, what's your job? And like, Sure, sure. So my job um, uh, is best explained not by the word congressman, but represent by, by the word representative, right? That's sort yeah. of the other thing that I get called from time to time. And that kind of tells you what I do. I... Um, like my 434 colleagues, I represent um, people in the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. Um, and what that means is, um, you know, I really need to spend a lot of time with my constituents um, to understand, you know, how they feel about the issues. Because, uh, of course, we deal with all kinds of issues, everything from, uh, you know, the war in Ukraine, the Social Security, oh, yeah. the debt ceiling, all these things that are in the news almost every day. Yes. And so um, my job is to to vote in favor of those things that I think the 750,000 or so people that I represent would want me to vote in favor of. Okay. Yeah, I heard about the debt ceiling and many different things. Like, I even made like a skit of the debt ceiling. It was like a funny skit I made. So it's like, I like it's really cool how you like get to represent these things. I like yeah. It. Well, I wish, you know, the debt ceiling is I know you guys later on wanted to ask about things that are frustrating. You know, some of the things that we do don't really help advance the cause of America very well. You know, whether yeah. it's healthcare or education or what have you. The debt ceiling, sadly, is an example of that. But oh, fortunately, yeah. we got you know, we got through it two weeks ago. And so, you know, my hope is now we can turn our attention to, you know, things that make more of a difference for people at the, you know, as we say, at the kitchen table, like, you know, the cost of education, the cost of housing, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Good luck. Hopefully, it, hopefully you do well with it. So uh, tell me more about your career and how did you get to this position? Yeah, how did you? Yeah, so, um, you know, I didn't start in politics and I usually recommend to young people that they, you know, not not necessarily get, you know, jump right out of school into, into politics. And the reason I feel that way is that, you know, if you think about our government, our government is about things like regulating the banking sector or, you know, making decisions for military funding, all that kind of stuff. And I really think it helps to have some experience out there in the world, whether it's in banking, in my case, because um, I, I right out of uh, graduate school, I went to work for a bank for 12 years, or it could be anything. It could be, you know, spending time in the military or or being a, you know, a lawyer or whatever. Lawyer. Um, but to answer your question, um, you know, I started out in business for about okay. 12 years. And I very much enjoyed that career. I, I again, I worked at a bank, um, and okay. then I spent five years in the nonprofit world, working with an organization that tries to build affordable housing um, in communities that don't have enough affordable housing. That's good. Um, and then in 2007, I decided that I would sort of run with a dream that I'd had for a little while, which was to get involved in public policy. Um, you know, in helping to craft the rules that that make our society run hopefully well. So I kind of got into politics pretty, I was probably, gosh, I don't know, 50, 40, 43 or years old or something oh. when I first got into politics. 
it sounds like you've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, you must have been like doing that's that's time. that's longer than I've been around. Um, well, it feels like least... a long time some uh, sometimes, but um, no, I've actually um, I guess at this point in my career, I've done politics for longer than anything else. But as I said, I did spend a long time in the private sector and in the nonprofit sector, which I yeah. like I said, I, I, I recommend that people do. What are some of your experiences from like the just from all of your all of your careers over time? And what are your experiences? Yeah. So, I mean everybody's going to have different experiences depending on what they want to do. But I guess I have two experiences that I would highlight because I think they're valuable to younger people. Um, number one, sometimes people get really stressed out, you know, when they're a little older than you guys are like right now, it doesn't matter too much whether you have no idea whatsoever what you want to do in the future. Cause you guys are pretty young, but of course, you know, as kids get into high school and into college, they start to feel a lot of pressure to, you know, decide what they want to be. And one piece of advice I give young people, because I felt it myself, is, um, you know, that period when you're, you know, thinking about college or in college or just out of college, it's a time of experimentation, right? You can try things. And in fact, um, even though in our very kind of achievement-oriented society, everybody's like, oh, am I going to succeed? When you're younger, succeeding really means trying things and figuring stuff out. And if you try something and you don't like it, great, move on to the next thing. So that's a piece of advice that I, I try to give people. It's it's pretty hard to make a mistake. I mean, you obviously don't want to do anything bad, uh, you know, but uh, it's pretty hard to make a mistake in your career trajectory, you know, when you're a young person. So I often say, look, when you're young, um, the magic is in learning as much as you can, trying things, gathering skills, you know, um, and those skills can be everything from writing well to learning to speak another language. That's something that's going to be a lot more important down the road yeah. for Americans to have, you know, to have more than one language, because, of course, our world is becoming more integrated with itself. Um, so, um, you know, I as I think back on on myself, I if you told me when I was 18 that I was going to be in Congress, uh, when I was in my mid fifties, I might not have been totally shocked, but I would have said, wow, how did that happen? You know, which is a way of saying I didn't necessarily have a plan to get here. I just sort of had these general hopes and interests that ultimately resulted in me being in this job. I get it. Like, and also about your job, what part of your job did you enjoy the most and in dislike the most? Well, um, there's a lot of things I enjoy about my job. I think the two things I would put at the top of the list is I really do like hearing from my constituents, you know, and in fact, if you ever wanted to be in government in an elected office, whether it's senator, congressman or governor, or local school board or, you know, local mayor, first selectman, as we call them here in Connecticut, that's a pretty critical thing, you know, really enjoying hearing people's stories, hearing what they feel and what they fear and, and want. Um, that's a pretty key part of any elected official's job. Yeah. And I really enjoy that. And I'll tell you something that may strike you as strange too, but I actually most enjoy that when I'm talking to somebody who disagrees with me, right? Um, yeah. I find that I don't, you know, it's fun to talk to people that you agree with, but you don't necessarily learn a lot. But when I'm talking to somebody who disagrees with me and they oh. make a really good argument, I, I I just love that because it sort of opens your mind and it and makes you think in new ways. So in some ways, I would say, number one, you know, talking to and listening to my constituents. Um, you know, number two, I would say I just love um, policy. Um, now, policy is kind of a big word that means lots of different things. It can mean everything from, you know, how much should we be supporting the Ukrainians in their war against Russia uh -huh. to 
you know, what can we do to make it easier for young people, less expensive for young people to go to college? So how can we build better highways? You know, we live in an area of the world, as you guys know, where we spend way too much time in traffic. So I really, really enjoy thinking about the policy that addresses the challenges in those areas. In terms of what I like least, um, I kind of alluded to this before, you know, things like the debt ceiling, where we create oh, yeah. a lot of uncertainty and anger and foolishness in ways that don't really help the country. Um, and that's an attribute of politics. You know, we live in an age where politics is much angrier than it was 20 or 30 or 40 years ago. Um, and so there's just a lot of people using very angry language. And when I hear that, I sort of think, man, that's a that's a dangerous thing for our democracy where we should disagree with each other. Absolutely, we should disagree oh, yeah. with each other, but we should do it in civil fashion um, in a way that we learn from each other. Remember what I just said about how I love yes. talking to people who disagree with me. You know, when, when we disagree, we should regard it as an opportunity, not as an indication that, you know, somebody is screwed up or wrong or evil or whatever. That, that stuff, I must say, that really angry politics drives me kind of crazy. Oh, yeah, I get how that drives you crazy. Like, I, like, sometimes, like, I'm, like, I'm, people get, like, angry at me sometimes and i don't like it yeah you just see it on the news like i'm not involved yeah. in politics and i don't maxwell here is but like it just like when you see something about this on the news and all the all the fighting and all the language and just everything that's going on it's just kind of sad that this is what politics has come to yeah that makes any sense yeah it makes absolute kinda... sense i mean you know it has it has a lot of effects, right? It turns people off. People say, why would I want to get involved in that when it's so angry and people are shouting at each other? And that's bad in a democracy. People shouldn't be turned off from participating. They should be turned on to participate. Um, and on the extremes, uh, and, you know, I, I was one of the harder things of the last couple of years. You know, I was in the Capitol when it was attacked on January 6th of um, 2021. Um, and on the extreme, enough angry rhetoric, enough crazy shouting at each other can lead to violence. And that's obviously something that we don't ever want to see in our society. Oh, yeah. We didn't, I, I wouldn't like to see violence in our society. So was this like a dream job you thought about when you were a kid? Like, did you like think about it? Like, I mean, did you ever like consider this job when you were a kid? Well, I'm not sure I really, when I was your age or even older in college, I'm not sure um, that I thought, oh, I'm going to run for elected office. Um, I sort of thought, oh, man, that would be a hassle. I'll have to, like, shake millions of hands. And, you know, I'd much rather be, like, you know, in government in uh, a position where, you know, I don't know, maybe you work for the Department of Commerce or the Department of Justice, but you don't have to go out there and get elected. So, it was pretty late in life that I thought, hey, it might be kind of cool to win elected office for a whole bunch of reasons that we can get into if you want. But um, uh, including, by the way, what I was telling you earlier about the opportunity to talk to people and listen to their stories. You know, that's really wow. a critical part of any elected office. So I think if you'd asked me when I was your age, someday, do you imagine yourself working in the government? I would said, yeah, I would have said, yeah, but probably not on the elected route. You know, I don't mm -hmm. want to kiss babies and shake hands and all that <laughs> stuff. So, you know, that that idea kind of came to me uh, much later in life. Yeah. And like, who were your idols when you were young? Like, who, like, inspired you to, like, do things and, like, 
It doesn't necessarily have to be a big who ins- Wait, basically, who inspired you to help change the world? Like, yeah. as you were saying, it's more like something that affects people. What inspired you to do that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, so asking about heroes and idols, um, I would tell you um, I'm a lot older than you guys are. So I was three and four years old when uh, American astronauts first landed on the moon. And I ba- I vaguely remember it because I was really young, but I remember being really young and just being so amazed that astronauts had actually landed on the moon. You know, uh, today that seems like yes. a normal thing, but back then that was just, you know, that was just incredible. And mm-hmm. so my one of my early heroes was... Um, uh uh the first man to walk on the moon whose name was armstrong well yeah i know um, Armstrong. yeah and so partly motivated and enchanted with him i thought oh man i want to be a scientist or a pilot or i'd love to be an astronaut i think that was my first uh my first interest now mind you i was six or seven years old so i uh have gone through a lot of different ideas and heroes but uh, my my earliest memory of a hero was um was uh, Armstrong and those astronauts who landed on the moon in 1969. Yeah. Like, that. I would, if I were like you, like, in the time where, like, people landed on the moon, I would be, like, so inspired, like, so shocked. Like, yeah, how? That, that, was, yeah. like, that, was, that was the huge thing of that decade. Yeah. Like, no, it sure was. And, and, you know, we were talking a little bit about political conflict. Um, that came in the middle. You guys have no ability to remember this because you're way too young. That came in the middle of another episode in which the country was really divided over the war in Vietnam. You know, oh. uh, if you read about it in the history books, you see that there were, you know, really angry riots and really, really a lot of division in the country over that war. So here in the middle of that very divisive war, you have this incredible event where the whole world watches uh, a man for the first time walk on the moon. And it was a really, in a divided time, it was a really optimistic thing. We'd say, wow, if you can get to the moon, you can do anything, you know? So the context in which that occurred was pretty interesting too. Yes. Yeah, Um. like, why did you pick this job? I mean, I know it was to help inspire, like help change, like help provide change and stuff and like add difference to the country. And I don't, I mean, just have an effect Um just have an effect on the world. Um, but other than that, why did you pick this show? Well, I picked it, and maybe this is another little piece of advice for you. I think um, one of the critical things that a happy person should do is really ask themselves, what do I love to do, right? Not what do I have to do? Because of course our life is filled of, with things that we have to do. We have to do our homework, oh, yeah. you know, we have to apply to college, we have to do yeah. our chores. And sometimes I feel like we don't really, in a quiet moment, look inside ourselves and say, what do I love to do? Because what you love to do should inform, to some extent, what you have to do, right? And so what do I mean by that? I think that over time, you know, I was in business and there were things I loved about business. And then I was in the nonprofit world and there were things I loved about that. But over time, I realized that I really loved thinking about policy, these things that we've been talking about. Um, you know, everything from, you know, how do we ensure a good retirement for our senior citizens to how big should our military be and where should we use it to our highways. And re- I, I love thinking about that stuff. And so in the back of my mind, I always thought, you know, someday I want to work in this area. I'd love to get paid to think about, um, you know, policy stuff. Um, and then over time, I also grew and this was a little bit of a shift, as I told you before. 
to actually really enjoy hearing people's stories and people's, you know, hopes and concerns and anxieties. And when you put those two things together, a love of policy and interest in talking to people, it's not too big a jump to say, oh, well, did you ever think about elected office? And, you know, we should clarify one thing, right? I mean, as you guys both know, my job, there's only 435 of them in the United States, right? So it's not like, you know, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of opportunities. But the truth is, there's thousands and thousands of opportunities to run for different kinds of offices, right? It doesn't yes. just need to be Congress. Um, a lot of the impact that impacts our communities is made by our mayors, is made by our boards of education, which control our school systems. Um, and so we shouldn't limit ourselves to just talking about Congress, because of course, you know, Senate plus House is 535 people, but there's there's almost there's almost always opportunities for people to get involved in politics and elected office at the local or at the state level as well. Okay, so like, what was like the most like biggest highlight of your entire career? Like, what did you like? Like, you'd be really happy about or like something like that. Like, what would you be really like? What was a high in your career, and what was a low in your career? And what were like highlights of your career? Like, was like your biggest? Yeah. So let me let me tell you sort of from the standpoint of the job, and then personally, um, from the standpoint of the job, over the years we fixed some big problems. Um, I got elected in '09. You guys were probably just getting born around that time, or not even yet born. Um, I got I first went to Congress in '09, and the economy was in terrible, terrible shape because the banking sector had just completely exploded um, and people were getting thrown out of work. And we did a whole lot of work to, this This is a little, this is something that isn't gonna be uh, like thrilling to many people, but anyone who was alive in 09 will remember how terrible the economy was. Millions of people out of work, lots of people lost their yeah. houses for very complicated reasons. But one of those reasons was that our banking system, our financial system was really unstable. And because I'd been a banker, I got to spend a year working on new laws and new rules that re um, sort of repotted our, our financial system, created new regulations. And ever since then, since 2010, um, our financial system, our banks have been very stable, very stable, um, even though we went through a pandemic with COVID. Um, so I'm very proud of that. And that sounds sort of boring and it is kind of boring, but when it goes wrong, it really goes wrong. The other thing, by the way, I would highlight, this was super controversial back in 2009 and 2010 when we did it, but we passed something called the Affordable Care Act and it was very controversial. People were really angry on both sides. Um, but today, as we look at the what people used to call Obamacare, we discovered that it's provided health insurance for you know probably 20 million Americans or so. And again, health insurance, that probably doesn't mean a lot to younger people, but you know, to families that are out there that worry about you know getting medical bills that they can't pay, it's really transformative. So may, being in a position to help make those changes that kind of make for a more stable, better country, that's that's clearly the highlight. Now, by the way, I should say. You know, a couple times I've gotten to fly, fly with the president on Air Force One. That's pretty Whoa, cool. That's insane. <laughs> but that's just me, right? So even though that's pretty cool for me, or I get to do fun stuff like, you know, visit aircraft carriers. Uh, and I love that stuff. But that that obviously doesn't have an impact on my constituents all that much. But those are the fun, you know, those I would highlight those two things as really the pleasures of the job. 
you know, and we've talked a little bit about, so I won't, I won't beat this dead horse, but the hard, honestly, the, the low points in the job come when the politics get very personal, you know, rather than my saying, you know, Hey Henry, I disagree with you, but <laughs> I respect where you're coming from. I say, yes. Oh Henry, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Oh yeah. You know, there's a real difference there. Right. And um, sadly today, our politics often turn into people being very personally uh, you know, attacking each other personally rather than respecting each other and interacting in a civil yeah. fashion. When it gets really ugly that way, I, it, it, it sort of breaks my heart. Oh, yeah. So what are, like, what are the biggest challenges that you think can be solved by our generation, Gen Z, that, that, that you would want us to solve for you? Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm a real optimist, you know, and I think your generation is going to probably finish the work of um, addressing one of the huge challenges that we have in the world, which is climate change. You know, oh, yeah. um, when I was young, there was a big argument over whether it was even real. And that argument is largely over, but we have a big argument over what to do about it. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's not that we have a bad argument because people are bad or evil. We have a, bad argument because we're still in a world where our cars use gasoline and gasoline of course contributes burning gasoline contributes to climate change we still live in a world where we burn a lot of coal and oil for the electricity that keeps us warm in the winter and we're we're working to trip to transition to a more responsible and sustainable energy um system and you guys are going to need to finish that because yes we need. it'll be the technological innovations and the and the changes that you make that finish that off, because um, it's not gonna happen overnight. So I think that may be the big challenge for your generation to figure out how finally to get us sustainable with respect to making sure that we don't destabilize the climate or other aspects of the planet. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because with how, the, with how fast tech is advancing now with like, like so not just AI, but like, just like other things, like tech is just getting more advanced and everything's, it's, it's getting crazier and crazier. But I think that could definitely be used because a lot of it's already being used for good, but it's not making as much of an impact as I would like it to. So yes. it could definitely help us with climate change, the technological advancements in our generation. And I think that could definitely help us out there. That could really help us. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. Let's say someone wants to follow your career as like a representative in your footsteps. What would you tell him or her? Well, um, the advice I would give somebody who wants to be in Congress or any other elected office, um, maybe uh, the advice I would give somebody your age is, is, is two pieces of advice. Number one, um, follow the issues. Like when I was your age, believe it or not, and this was a little nerdy, but when I was your age, I read the newspaper a lot because I was just kind of interested in the issues that we've been talking about. And someday, if you ever want to be a congressman or a mayor or a you know state representative, if you've spent years reading about the issues and by the issues, I mean everything from, you know, how we adequately handle traffic to you know, how we pay for our schools to whether we should be helping Ukraine more or less. If you've yeah. been reading about that stuff and thinking about it for years, 
you know, you'll be in a really good position to be, uh, like I said, a congressman or a mayor or a board of education member. So advice number one would be. Okay, so my advice to, you know, young people who are thinking about going into public policy, I would say two things. Number one, um, do what I did. You know, this is kind of nerdy, but when I was really young, I read the newspaper. I was interested in the issues. And, and, you know, so I learned a lot, even when I was very young, about all of the issues that we're talking about. You know, how you run schools, how cities succeed or fail, you know, how economies succeed or fail, what we've been successful at from a foreign policy standpoint. If you're interested in that stuff, learn as much as you can, because it'll be really handy for you when you ultimately get involved in something in a more professional way. So that would be uh, idea number one. Idea number two is if you're interested in public policy or elected office or you know uh, any form of government, it's never too early to get involved, right? You could, you could today, you could get your parents to take you to a board of education meeting in whatever town you live in. And you may not understand everything, but you'll understand some of it. Or, you know, you can tune in and watch the debates on, uh, you know, in the United States Senate or the United States House of Representatives. Um, and as you get older, there will be lots of ways to get involved. You know, I keep talking about boards of education because sometimes boards of education have student members on those boards. And so those would be my two pieces of advice for somebody who's thinking about being in, in public service, which is really it's never too early to study the issues, read about them on the paper, watch them on the news. And number two, get involved, get involved in one way or the other and, and use that involvement to figure out what you like to do. Yep. And even if you don't know much about it or like, as you said, you don't understand it over time. If you're really interested in that, you will grow to understand it. Yeah, you will. Precisely. The only way to learn about something is to kind of dive into the pool and learn it, you know? Yep. So what is your life advice for kids listening to this podcast? Like, what is your like, I agree with you. Like, what is your life advice? I'm so like interested in like, what do you think your life advice is? Since you've lived for a long time, you must have lots of advice. Well, um, so let me just summarize some of the thoughts that I've given you and then I'll add one more to it. So, you know, I said, um, you know, get involved. Our democracy really relies on people being involved in whatever way they want to get involved. By the way, you can be getting involved by serving on the volunteer ambulance squad in your town and you'll learn some stuff. You could get involved by being a member of the Board of Education or running for mayor or whatever it is. So number one, get involved. Number two, don't stop learning. Um, you know, one of the cool things about being young today is that you can learn just by the device that we're talking about right now, right? When I wanted to learn something when I was your age, I had to, you know, walk a half mile to the library and look up books and ask if they had this magazine. Now you've got, you know, the ability to learn literally, you know, at 11 <laughs> o'clock at night when you don't have anything else to do. Um, and then, um, like I said before, you know, don't, don't worry too much as you get older if you haven't figured out exactly what you want to do it took me i was you know i love this job but i you know it took me till i was in my 40s to realize that i might actually want to do the job and to decide to run for it and then lastly the piece of advice that i haven't talked about yet but i'll, I'll mention one of the things i've discovered in my life is that um you know it helps to have good educational credentials right you want to do well in school because That'll tell employers that you're a hard worker and stuff. But one of the things that we don't appreciate enough is how valuable our friends are. Um, and I don't just mean friends, but I mean our connections, right? So as I look back over my career, which is now almost 35 years old, 
at really critical moments. I was able to use my connections and friendships to meet other people, to learn about other jobs, to get recommendations. And so sometimes when we're studying really hard, we forget that one of the really critical elements of success out there is maintaining friendships and connections, um, what, what we adults call sort of social networks and social capital. Um, those, those things can be just as important as, you know, how well you do in school or where your degree is from. So it's never too early to start building more relationships and, you know, building friendships that will last over many, many years. Thank you so much, Congressman Hans, for allowing us to interview you. I'm very sure more kids will be inspired to take a path of public service because of this interview. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I also think you just got a really good message across here. Yes, you gave even me a message. And well, everyone, thanks for listening to the Careers for Kids podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye.